You are listening to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. Our vision is to treasure Christ above all else and live for more. We left off, I think we covered uh, verse 14 last weekend. We're going to cover 15 to 23. So Ephesians chapter 1, uh, 15 to 23. For this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Do you need a place to breathe? I just feel like it was so packed. Uh, verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who, who fills all in all. Amen. Let me just pray uh, over our hearts. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you that we get to celebrate you this morning with the saints. What a privilege. What an honor. Thank you for this beautiful sunny day. Lord God, even if it's cold, Lord God, I know that you're going to warm up our hearts in your presence through your word, and I ask that you would do just that, Father. Lord God, would you just... Um, just prepare our hearts that we would bear much fruit as we allow your word to come in and to transform us. I pray this over every single person in here, and everyone said, amen. You may be seated, church. So years back, I lived in New York City for a little less than a year, um, and a few times, I had friends from Canada come visit me. And this one time, I really, a really close group of friends, about four of them, came over for a long weekend. I was really excited to show them around New York City. And before church, Sunday morning, and, and I think this time I was taking them to Times Square Church, beautiful church. If you're ever in New York City, Times Square Church is, is, is a great body of believers. Uh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> But before church, I took them to this really known and popular bagel place. I mean, New York City, especially Brooklyn, is known for their bagels, right? And as we were standing in line, and, and I think they were short-staffed that particular morning, right? That's kind of the, the we, we get that a lot today, right? The lady in front of us um, got her bagel, but apparently it wasn't necessarily what she had ordered, okay? And apparently that was a huge problem. And she just lost it on the very nice and respectful staff-serving member. She just lost it. And everyone was just kind of watching this kind of, you know. Uh, even though the staff lady was doing her absolute best to get everyone's order, and she was nice, and she was respectful, super apologetic, and told her, hey, I'll remake your order. You don't have to pay a cent for this. Don't worry, I'll get this, you know. Um, the customer lady was just so rude just mean and rude and kept on saying over and over again, just make this right, just make this right. No, I want you to make this like, oh my goodness, lady, just, just, you know, just take a break. We were all so disgusted by how rude and mean this lady was and how unappreciative she was. Anyways, 
Finally, we get to church. We find our seats. Um, and guess what? Guess who came to church? Yeah, you were right. <laughs> we were standing next to the rude and unappreciative customer lady. She literally was standing like right next to us. This is a big church, and I was, wow, what a, what a coincidence. Now, you could have given her the benefit of the doubt, right, and say that she, just, she came to church. It was a perfect place that she would probably repent of what just happened, you know? But it seemed that nothing was wrong, and she was able to worship Jesus with no problem whatsoever. Anyways, that brings us to the text of Scripture today. And it speaks in a very timely way about love and appreciation. And I think this is a timely word because I believe our world is more rude and more critical and more demanding than ever. Not sure if you feel like that. Okay, for all of you who work in the service industry, I just apologize in general for almost everyone. Okay? What a horrible job it is to serve people with certain attitudes, right? Um, and this culture of entitlement is so deep, and the whole world is filled with a lack of appreciation. Uh, Emma found this picture. I don't know if we can share it. it it's not that clear. Um, if we have it, um, let's just show it. So it's not that clear, but I want to share it with you. I guess it was a restaurant rewarding, uh, uh, rewarding people, right, uh, for just buying coffee. So, so, so I guess when asking to buy coffee, right, so if you would ask for a small coffee, uh, you, 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 you would pay $5, right? Just, you know, small coffee, you, it would cost you $5. Small coffee, please. So if you just add that, please. $3, right? And then, hello, one small coffee, please. It would be $1.75. How crazy it is that they had to go to this extent to, you know, kind of give us, hey, hey, appreciate us. You know, we're serving you. The whole world is filled with a lack of appreciation, thankfulness, and gratitude. Who's, who's here with me on that? Yeah. That being said, as we come to Paul's words today, verses 15 to 23, I don't know if you're in a season like I am, where you feel really appreciated and encouraged, that's me this season, or you feel really unappreciated uh, and discouraged, unappreciated. However you feel, the question is, what do you do with it? What do you do with it? Apostle Paul starts this passage, and the big idea in this passage is that if we are in Christ, if we are in Christ, church, we are loved and appreciated by Jesus. He came, again, a perfect morning to be at church. Last week was great too, but this morning is going to be just great message, I believe, and I hope that this encourages you. If we do a little bit of a recap, Apostle Paul just told us last week uh, in verses 1 to 14, and he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So blessed be the God of our Father, right? And then he talks about all the things that he appreciates that God does for us. And then he, he lists them all, and we went through, through them last weekend. Hey, thank you, Jesus. And there was that, that explosion of joy. Thank you, Father, for, for the blessing of holiness. Thank you, Father, for the blessing of redemption and adoption and forgiveness and, and being sealed by the Holy Spirit. Remember that, right? And then he, and then he uh, so to be a Christian, let me just say this. So to be a Christian is to be one who loves uh, and appreciates Jesus. This is our response, again, to the gospel. This is our response to all that he does for us. But in the passage we're going to look at today, 
Paul transitions saying that he appreciates the saints. That's, that's how it starts. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that God, through Apostle Paul, is actually appreciating us. Would that be a stretch, you think? Just, just bear with me. So not only is the Christian one who really loves and appreciates Jesus, and there's an explosion of joy in response to all that Jesus has done for us, but that the Christian is loved and appreciated by Jesus as well. Here's how he starts, verses 15 and 16. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards the saints. So I've heard of your faith, and then I've heard that you, know, that you love the saints. Two huge things. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. How many of you, it would really change the course of your whole life if you simply knew that God paid attention to your life? I'm just going to let that simmer for, for a second. And he was thankful for your obedience. And he was, you know, thankful for your generosity and service and sacrifice. And that the Lord Jesus himself generally appreciates you would that make a difference in your life yeah i think it definitely would see the sinful trap that many people including christians fall into it's the sin of wanting to be appreciated by people okay and when it's not there you become bitter you become bitter you become angry and frustrated and it will affect your attitude joy and the way you serve right well, here in our text today, I think that Paul is telling us that God is thankful for us through Paul's appreciation of the saints, that God appreciates the obedience and the generosity and the faithfulness of his people. And so it's not that you shouldn't want to be loved. It's not that you shouldn't want to, to feel cared for and appreciated, but it's best if that love and appreciation comes from the Lord Jesus himself, not from people. I think some of us know that God is omniscient, right? Let me just explain. That means that he's all-knowing. He knows everything. It's like a surveillance camera on your life, right? And he's got an eye on you all the time. So God sees and knows all, and, and he sees and knows all of your sin, all of my sin. But he also sees and knows all of our obedience, too. In, in, in all of our service, and all of our generosity, and, and God sees and knows all. He doesn't just see the day that you give in to temptation. He sees the day that you say no to temptation, right? Not just the day that you're greedy, but the day that you're generous. Not just, not just when you're lazy, but the day that you're actually serving through the grace of God. And even though others may not appreciate you, God sees, God knows, and God appreciates. How awesome is that? Jesus talks about things that are done, quote, in secret. Remember Sermon on the Mount? What that means is that the Lord is, is, is the only one that really knows what's going on, right? And he, his appreciation and his love really, really matters. A lot more than, you know, maybe I would give it to you or vice versa. Now, imagine that you and I got this letter and we're receiving it today from Apostle Paul. I mean, it's hard to think of anyone outside of Jesus, that we could esteem as highly as Paul. And what he says is this, I want to thank you for two things, two things, your love for Jesus and your love for God's people, the church. Your love for Jesus and your love for the church. Let me just make this side note. If you're here and you love Jesus and you love the church, please, this is a word of encouragement 
from the Lord to you. Just take it. Just, just bask in it, right? And if you don't love Jesus or if you don't love the church, you're in a perfect place, right? You're in a perfect And you need to repent. You need to just change your thinking, allow God to change you so that this can be a God's encouraging word for you as well. Fair enough? I really want you to know that the two most important things in life, in our life, are to love Jesus and to love the church. And that's exactly what Paul says. He says, your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints. And just so we cover all the bases here, love here means that you're praying for people, that you're serving people. It means that you're, 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 you're giving to people, that you're caring, that you're inconveniencing yourself to bless others. You give time and energy to serve uh, uh, you know, uh, the people in the body of believers. And by the way, if there isn't much evidence that you do it here in this body, the body that you call, this is my home church, you're probably not doing it elsewhere either. This is a perfect setup for us to just love one another, to, to express our faith in Christ and to love and to serve one another. Does that describe me? Does that describe you? By the way, can I just take a second to appreciate you? Can I do that? I mean, I can go on and on and on and on and on. The list goes on and on, right? But specifically those of you that came out yesterday to help paint the rooms at the back. Seriously, that was awesome. I mean, there was so many, we had so much help that at one point I was like, oh, I didn't even know what to, to, you know, to give these people, right? But it was so awesome. I was so encouraged by it, right? There were so many people. So I just want to appreciate you for that. Again, the list goes on and on, not just yesterday, but just wanted to at least do that. I love the fact that Paul starts off talking about how much he appreciates God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And then he transitions to talk about how much he appreciates God's faithful people who love the Lord, and who love the church. You and I, quite frankly, need a little bit of encouragement, especially right about now, right? And if you're looking for it from people, it may never come, friend. It may never come. But if you're looking for it from the Lord Jesus, He appreciates you, and that should mean a lot, and that means a lot. Second thing He says Paul starts to talk about the implications of knowing that you're loved and appreciated by the Lord Jesus. And the big theme is knowing your identity in Christ, right? We saw that last week. And knowing that, man, Jesus loves me, Jesus appreciates me, and he sees and knows everything that I do, and he appreciates that. And through Apostle Paul, he says, thank you. And, and, and then what happens, knowing that Jesus loves me, knowing that Jesus appreciates me, it changes my life and my reaction to circumstances. It should. It should. So I'm going to use this text to say, number one, appreciated people exchange grumbling or complaining for praying. For praying. So from complaining to praying. And I will show you where where we see this in our text. But how many of us, when we feel unappreciated or underappreciated, we're prone to work complaining and grumbling. Ever happened to you? Yeah. Have you noticed that? We tend to grumble, and sometimes it, it just leaks. It comes out. It's just a matter of time. We're like, yeah, those people, you know, they don't appreciate what I just did for them. I, I sacrificed my own time, and they don't even say thank you. Oh, my kids. Oh, my goodness. My kids are just so bad. I do all these things for them, and they don't even say thank you. And all of a sudden, you grumble to them. You, you don't grumble to them, right? You grumble about them. You complain about them. 
you know, my boss, they're really unappreciative and my kids, right, and all that, right? All of a sudden, that grumbling starts to cause you to be very negative and very critical. That's what happens. Well, what's the answer? Praying. <laughs> That's what Apostle Paul points us to, praying. See, complaining or grumbling is when you talk about people to other people, right? Praying is when you talk to Jesus about people. Huge difference there. <laughs> a few years back, quite a few years back, I was going through a season in my life where it was just really, really, I was suffering. I was in pain, right, emotionally. And, and there was this, at the church that I was serving at, the, at, the, at that moment, um, in that season, there was this, he was an elder too. He was just so ill-intent towards me. Unbelievable. It's like kicking a guy when he, while he's down, you know what I mean? Just saying all these things about me and just really rude and mean and just hurtful. And obviously just, you know, something just was just welling inside of me, this, this, this almost hatred for him, almost like I can't stand this guy, you know, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, not all of a sudden, but over time, the Holy Spirit put this, this thought in my, in my heart and in my mind, say, start praying for him. Just start praying for him. Start praying for him. And um, in time, the Holy Spirit just changed my heart, and, and I was able to love him all of a sudden. All of a sudden, I, I was praying for his kids and his future and his family, his marriage, and, and all of a sudden, I, had, I was so free from that bitterness, and it was absolutely amazing. I was, I was so surprised. Some of us say, they're driving me crazy, and you should hear what they did to me and what they said to me. You need to talk to someone about it. And his name is Jesus. <laughs> we call that prayer. And prayer is always better than complaining. Always better than grumbling. And that's exactly what Paul does here. He says this. I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering in, in what? Remembering you in my prayer. Paul is praying for people. Now, he could be grumbling. Paul could be grumbling. I mean, his life is very hard at this point. He's lost, right? He has a lot of grumbling. You know, he could grumble a lot, right? Where is he? He's in, he's in prison. Now, would you have ample cause to grumble off for a while in prison? I would say, yeah. Let me ask you, why is he in prison? What, you know, what's, what's the reason? Was it tax evasion or knocked out of a liquor store? Was, it, was that? No. No, for preaching the gospel. <laughs> It would be very easy for Paul right now to grumble, right? And to say, man, come on. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm doing something really amazing. And what's the deal here? I'm getting, I'm getting prison. <laughs> but the truth, believe it or not, he's not grumbling. He's praying. He knows that Jesus loves him. He knows that Jesus appreciates him. Appreciates his hard work by the grace of God and his generosity and his service and his sacrifice. So rather than grumbling and complaining you know, about how hard life is, and he gives thanks to God in appreciation for the saints, right? Does he have a wife? No, I, I don't, not that I know of, right? Could he grumble about that? Oh yeah, for sure. He could easily say, I don't have a wife, I'm poor, I don't make a lot of money, my life is hard, I walk about 20 miles every single day, I've been beaten, I've been shipwrecked, homeless, left for dead, adrift to the open sea, and now I'm in jail for preaching the gospel. No, he knows that Jesus loves him and appreciates his life and his service and his sacrifice. And as a result of that, Paul appreciates all that Jesus has done for him. How could he not? He appreciates all the blessing that Jesus poured over his life, all the blessing that we talked about last week. And that's why he's not grumbling. That's why he's not complaining. 
But he's praying. He's praying. And he's praying for others too. He's not even self-absorbed because that appreciation is met by the Lord Jesus Christ. That allows him to simply have affection for other people. May I submit to you that whatever you're going through, and I don't want to minimize your pain, Apostle Paul's situation was probably harder, probably more difficult. Again, I don't want to minimize your pain. We have absolutely no excuse, though. We don't. Right? Apostle Paul, he says in, in a different letter, 2 Corinthians 4.17, and I quote, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So no matter what you're going through, compared to heaven, compared to Christ, it is but nothing. Church, the key to overcoming your complaining, your grumbling, uh, murmuring, is to know that the Lord Jesus suffered for you. To know that the Lord Jesus loves you and that the Lord Jesus is generous towards you. And when you are obedient to him, he sees, he knows, he appreciates, and he's thankful for you. That should allow you and me to stop complaining because you know that you're loved, you know that you're cared for, you know that you're appreciated, and it should allow you to start praying for the well-being of your brothers. Another thing that happens to those who realize that they are appreciated and loved by God Appreciated people exchange competing for celebrating. From competing to celebrating. Now here's what happens. If you don't feel appreciated, all of a sudden you become competitive with others. You do. Is that true? And all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to outperform them. You know, I can't believe they got the promotion. I got fired. What is this? They got the raise. They got called elder and deacon. What about me here? Whatever it is, you know, you're like, oh, they got it. I'm going to outperform them so that I can be appreciated and loved just like they are. The result is unhealthy competitiveness, unhealthy competition. Now, there's healthy competition in the Bible, right? Where it says, let us spur one another onto love and good deeds. That's healthy competition. But what we're talking about here is unhealthy competition. This is where I'm feeling unappreciated and I'm bitter and I'm competing with you because I want to be appreciated in the same way that you are. This is where you get things like sibling rivalries. This is where even spouses can become jealous of one another. This is where co-workers can turn on one another. Even in ministry, people can be jockeying for power. How, how sad is that? And politics sets in and it becomes very unholy and it becomes very unhealthy. And the answer is, again, to know that you, we are loved and appreciated by the Lord Jesus. Here's how Paul says it, verses 17 to 20. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Okay, first he says this. Here's why we should really love and appreciate all that God has done for us in Christ. Because, because God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus, into human history. And he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to live among us, right? So he lived without sin. And he died on a cross 
for our sin, but he rose from the dead and he conquered Satan, sin, death, hell, and the wrath of God. And then he ascended into heaven and today he is ruling and reigning from an authoritative position. So the first thing that Paul starts with is, dear Christian, always appreciate who Jesus is and what he's done for you. It all starts from there. And secondly, then, he prays two things for them. One, that they would learn more about Jesus. That they would learn more about Jesus. He says, and I'm praying for you that you would, and here's how he says it, that he would give you the spirit of wisdom, revelation, in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of him. He's saying, I want you to learn more about Jesus, and I'm praying that you would learn more about Jesus. Church, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian for. There's always something you need to learn about Jesus. Let me submit to you. If you're a person who you're still quoting the same verses for the last few years, and you're in the same passages, and you kind of see the same things, you're, you're saying the same, that, that's good, that's good, that's not, that's not bad. But that's not enough. That's not the goal here. The goal is to not just have your questions answered and have your systematic theology completed, right? But to have your relationship with Jesus always growing. And the second thing he prays, and I love this, is, is not only that they would have more knowledge of Jesus, right? But they'd have a deeper experience of Jesus. He says it this way, verse 19. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Power who believe. Does that describe us, you? Is there power in your life? Like, yes. He's praying not only we would know more about Jesus, but that we would experience more of Jesus, that his power would be something that we experience in our life. Do you? Do I? This is what the Holy Spirit's ministry is to us, to give us power to live a new life, increasingly more and more and more and more like Jesus. And I would say that there's always something new to learn about Jesus, and there's always something new to experience regarding Jesus. And the Holy Spirit always has things He wants to teach us, doesn't He, church? He calls it revelation here. And there are experiences that the Holy Spirit wants us to, to live in in our own lives and to give us power to learn from and to walk through. Let me just say this. Some Christians act as if Jesus ascended back into heaven and now we're on our own. Good luck <laughs> until he comes back. But Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. I'll send you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's going to lead you and guide you and convict you and instruct you and empower you. And that's what Paul is echoing here, the words of Jesus, saying, I'm praying that you would learn more about Jesus and that you would experience more of his power through the Holy Spirit so that your life would continually change to be more like his. I've seen the Holy Spirit work in people's lives over the years. I see them growing. Praise God for that. I see them learning. I see them changing by the power of God. And again, what we should do then is we should give the glory to God. Amen? Give the, that, that's first. But then it's perfectly aligned with God's will to appreciate the saints, right? And that would be you. That would be me. 
And we can just say, God is so good to you, and I'm so grateful that you have availed yourself to the Holy Spirit, to his instruction, that you have submitted yourself to the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot happens when you know how much there is to appreciate in the Lord Jesus and how much he appreciates you. I just feel like asking this. How many of you even coming in here today, you even wondered if God cared or paid attention to your life? I just want this to be an encouraging word for you. Just take it. Bask in it. Rest in it. If you have been obedient, and and not perfectly because no one can do it perfectly in this life. If you have been generous, if you have been serving, if you have been faithful, and some of us will say, yeah, yeah, but I still have sin in my life. And then, look, we all do. No one is perfect. Just as the church in Ephesus wasn't perfect, they still had things they were struggling with. That's not the point. But I want you to hear this as a word from the Lord himself. I never cease giving thanks for you. I want you to just capture that as your own and take that with you and bask in it. God says he never ceases to give thanks for me. And now we don't have to grumble. We can just pray. Now we don't have to compete. We can just celebrate with the saints. Now we don't have to be jealous of other people, you know, what they're doing and how God is blessing them. I can just rejoice at God's grace in their life and rejoice at God's grace in my life. Can we do that, church? Amen. Paul then goes on to say that appreciated people exchange bitterness for thankfulness. Bitterness for thankfulness. Lord, help us. Now, if you feel unappreciated, you'll end up becoming bitter. It's just, it's inevitable. Do you know how easy it is for us to drift into bitterness if we feel hurt? If we feel taken advantage of? If we feel unappreciated? Oh, boy. And what's the answer? Again, the answer is not, hey, hey, don't be bitter. Hey, stop it, stop it, don't be bitter. No, that's not the answer. And here's what Paul says. Let's continue with verses 21 to 23. And here he talks about Jesus being, and I'm quoting now from verses 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What happens when you feel unappreciated is you become bitter. You think, you know, um, they're, uh, how come they're healthy and I'm sick? Like, I don't, I've been going to church, they haven't, I know their life. How come I'm married and or I'm not married and they're, and they're, and they're married, I'm single just, just for the last, you know, how come they get a promotion, I get fired? Like, what, what, what is this? And what Apostle Paul says is that Jesus has given us himself as a gift, right? And Jesus right now is ruling and reigning over Satan. That should mean a lot. And demons, in all nations, in all peoples, in all times, in all places, and that everything is under his feet. This should mean a lot. Let me just remind us that the people that we want to be appreciated by, their names come and go. The people that we're praising today are not the people that will be praised tomorrow. The idea is that everyone's name eventually comes to an end, but it's the name of Jesus that continues forever. In this passage, these three verses are so clear on that. Paul says it this way in Philippians 2. 
At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess, both on the earth and under the earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? What he's saying here is when you think it's about your name, you get bitter. But when you think it's about Jesus, you get thankful. And some of us may say, man, my name hasn't gotten the honor, the recognition, the gratitude, you know, the appreciation that, I, that it should. But Paul is saying, well, we live for the name of Jesus. What's the problem here? <laughs> right? Paul here is thanking, thankful for two things. And, and it's very easy to pick up on. He's thankful for, again, Jesus and the church. There are two things that he mentions. He says, here's Jesus ruling and reigning right now. And he's in glory and he's in charge. And he loves you and he appreciates you and he sees everything you do and everything, you, you know, every dollar we give and every effort we make, right? And he looks at us and he says, I thank God for you all the time continually in my prayers. Wow, thank you, Jesus. That should be enough to keep me going for the rest of my life, right? Then Paul talks about the church and I want us to hear this. He talks about the church and says, as head over all things to the church, which is his body. If you and I would be concerned primarily about the name of Jesus and the well-being of the church, it would safeguard our hearts from bitterness. Are people honoring Jesus? And how is the church doing? And how I can, how can I help? Right? And it takes our eyes off of me and off of us. Because sometimes, I'll tell you, we're so obsessed with us, and the sad part is that we don't even know it. We don't, because it's subtle. It's just, you know, it's subtle, because you can't do it, you know. The devil will never come to you with a pitchfork and, like, you know. No, he disguises himself. What do they say about me? Are they honoring me? Are they appreciating me? That's pride on full display, no matter how you justify it. Even if you say, well, they hurt, well, they did, well, no, no, no. But let's not go down that dark path, church. Let's not go down that never-ending, unsatisfying road. Uh, but let's just be about how can I magnify the name of Jesus, and while I'm at it, how's the church? And how can I honor Christ by serving in my body of believers where I belong? Now, what's amazing is, can you imagine how this letter would be different if Paul was bitter? <laughs> Seriously. Paul's gone from freedom to, to imprisonment. He has gone from a position in the culture where he had dual citizenship. He was, he, he, he was able to speak multiple languages, and highly educated under the, the leading of Rabbi Gamaliel. He was highly honored, possibly a member of the Sanhedrin. I mean, this is a very successful man. Now he's broke, single, hated, and in prison. How many of us are shocked his heart didn't go towards bitterness? Like, dude, that, for me, that would have been a clear road, <laughs> right? It didn't, and here's why. Because he was just another opportunity to make much of Jesus and to help the church. Actually, he didn't even look at his circumstances in a negative way. He looked at them as an opportunity to make much of Jesus and to help the well-being of this church in Ephesus and other churches. Church, I really want us to focus on loving Jesus and loving the church. 
And it's not just that, so that we can use you to, to, you know, to grow a bigger church. That's not, that's not the reason here. It's in part so that we can guard our hearts against bitterness. Because bitterness devastates relationships, hearts, and churches. I would love for us to give our life to what Jesus gave his life to. The well-being of people. And the first is the spiritual part. Are they saved? That should matter to us. And that we would stop thinking it's about my name and my wants and my, and my fame. It has to be more about his name and his fame. And at the same time, it frees us from this trap of bitterness. Can I be honest with you? I, I've met some bitter people in my life, and, and I'm sure you have too. And some of them, if not most of them, were Christians. That should never be. That's an oxymoron. That's an impossibility. It's a contradiction, but for some people, that's just sort of the, the default of their soul. Bitterness is a horrible place to live, let me tell you. It's cancerous. It just clouds and darkens all of your life, and it causes you to mistrust and distrust people, and it gets into this position where you're not really loving people. No, no, no. You're using them somehow. Loved and appreciated people exchange bitterness for thankfulness. This last point that I, that I want to make is not, again, explicitly from this text, but I believe it's illustrated in the life of Paul, especially here in Ephesians. And as much as I love his words, man, I'm really amazed at his actions. So let me just say this, that one of the keys to living the normal Christian life, and what I mean by the normal Christian life, I mean the biblical Christian life, not the average Christian life that, you know, we sometimes live. So the normal biblical Christian life, and the key to that is prayer. Prayer. About half of the letter to the Ephesians is prayer. It's prayer requests, prayer reports, and full prayers, and even the passage that we're in today is partially prayer, right? I want us to, 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 to really observe this, that Paul's teaching was, was intersected and interconnected, interwoven and soaked with prayer. I, I want us to see that Paul's serving was soaked with prayer. I want us to see that his, his suffering was soaked in prayer and his communication was soaked in prayer. And sometimes what can happen is when we come to the prayers of the Bible, we can deal with them and just treat them as, as like systematic theology, you know? Oh, this should be here, this should be here, this should... We can't do that. Here we have a guy on his knees, uh, you know, with a broken body in a prison cell, opening his heart by the power of the Holy Spirit, having prayer with the Lord, you know, just having a conversation with the Lord, and we get to eavesdrop in on it. How beautiful is it, Right? And one of the keys then to living life with God, treasuring Christ above all else, right, as we say it, is prayer. And soaking everything in prayer and intersecting everything with prayer. And so, what this means practically for us, that a huge part of our life, a huge part of our ministry should be prayer, should be praying. How are you doing with that? How am I doing with that? I mean, you, you don't know how to, to reach your unbelieving friends, and maybe they're resistant to the gospel, right? And ask, then ask them, how can I be praying for you? 
They may, they may say, dude, stop pounding me with the gospel. I've heard enough. Come on. But you can ask anything. I can pray for you. And even if they say no, you should pray for them anyways on your own. And spend time in prayer and dedicate your life to prayer, right? How many of us have people? How many of us have circumstances? And we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to fix them. We just don't. Do you know what you should be doing? Praying. Praying. Paul doesn't know if he's going to get out of prison. He doesn't know if he's going to come back to the church in Ephesus. He doesn't know, but he could pray for them, and that's exactly what he does. Well, let me say this. The shortest distance between two people is prayer. If you want to make a stranger a friend, pray. Do you want to make an enemy a friend? Pray. Sometimes prayer moves the hand of God, quote unquote. There's a lot I can, we can, a lot of footnotes on that. Just go with it. Sometimes prayer moves the hand of God, but usually it changes us and it brings us into alignment with God's will. A lot of times that, that, that's what happens. See, a lot of times we'll come to the Lord and we'll say, Lord, I want you to fix my problem and I'm going to devote my life to this situation, Lord. And the Lord's like, yeah, well, I told you to pray because I'm trying to get you to move. Right? I want you to move your thoughts, your actions, and your feelings into alignment with my will, right? Prayer is oftentimes us aligning with God's will and God's heart. That's what's happening here, I believe. And Paul lets us eavesdrop in on, on that. Some of us may not be great teachers, and that's fine. We're all called to something different. But we can all pray. Not all of us, you know, I'm not a, you know, a bold leader or whatever, but we can pray. Right? And I'll tell you what, prayer is one of the most undermined ministries of the church today. And without it, nothing of value will happen. Nothing. That's why we don't want to undermine the ministry of prayer and the power of prayer and what God intends to do through our prayers. Therefore, church, practical application time. Okay? Because we don't want to be a church that talks about prayer. We want to be a church that actually prays. Right? In February, okay, in February, we want to start a prayer team, a prayer team. And our plan is to have a time of prayer before every Sunday service. We want to put together a prayer team in around 10 a.m. to gather in one of the rooms at the back and pray for about 30 to 45 minutes before the service. To pray for the service, to pray for the people that are coming to church, pray for the worship team, pray for the sound team, pray for the preacher, pray for the unbelievers in our community, for our community, to pray for a revival, and the list goes on and on and on and on. If that's you, if God is nudging you right now to join, please let Jody or myself know. Our brother Jody will lead this team of prayer. Now, you don't necessarily need to be a part of this team to join with them in prayer Sunday mornings. And you just come in one of the rooms and we can just pray. Secondly, I want us to take the whole month of February, so the whole month, to fast and pray for two things. Pray for our church to grow and multiply. That's the first thing. So to pray for our church to grow and multiply. And then pray for our community. And what I mean by that, the, that people, that more people will come to Christ. Very specifically. So I want to challenge us to sign up and pick a day or more in February where you commit to fasting and praying for these two things on that particular day that you're picking. And I want us to cover the whole month of February in prayer and fasting for these two things, an uninterrupted chain of prayer and fasting. 
You can come and see me. We'll probably have like a nice little cute calendar. We can just sign up. But for now, just come and tell me, and we'll just mark it down. In the end, church, let me again remind us that I think when we know that Jesus loves us and appreciates us, and then there's an explosion of joy, and it has to be in our hearts to all that he's done for us, it becomes very easy to, to, to start talking to him, doesn't it? When you know what he's done and when we can focus on that, it just starts so naturally. Yeah, Lord, thank you. Wow, yeah, this, thank you. It just starts, it just, it's so easy to pray when you know you're loved by God. Here, here we see that if you know that you're appreciated by God, that he loves you, that he's thankful for you, that he, that he encourages you, it opens your heart to talk to him all the time because he loves you. He loves us, church. Thanks for tuning in to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you live for more.